Welcome to episode 96 of the Microsoft Cloud IT Pro Podcast. This is a show about Office 365, Azure, and the IT Pro and end user side of life, where we discuss a topic or recent news related to Office 365 or Azure and how it relates to you as an IT Pro. In this episode, Ben and Scott answer a listener question around documents hosted in Office 365 and their discoverability and accessibility on mobile devices, as well as talk about recent announcements that were pre-ignite for SharePoint Online and Office 365. Good morning, Scott or Scotty. I've never called you Scotty. Can I start calling you Scotty? No, you can't. Nightmares about grade school. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. I just brought up all those terrible, horrible, nightmarish memories. Yep. There it goes. Now I'm depressed. Uh, I'm sorry. I used to be called Benji. I had a soccer coach that called me Benji. It could be the Scotty and Benji show. Yeah, you know, it's it's always those like PE coaches and and things like that. You know, they they have to have a name for everything. Yes. Mover is a cloud migration company that specializes in moving your company's files from file servers or cloud storage like Box, Dropbox, and Google into Office 365. Their patented technology makes Mover the fastest OneDrive file migrator in the world. Moving dozens of terabytes of data a day is a breeze. Use Mover's free, industry-leading migration guides, or ask for a managed migration and they'll take the lead. With Mover, all your data is secure and intact. Running completely behind the scenes, you don't lose time, money, or hair while you transfer. Scan, plan, migrate, report. Migrations that don't suck with Mover. Visit mover.io for more info. All right, enough about nicknames. Should we talk about SharePointy stuff? Just let's do the whole e theme. All right. (laughs) So there's a few new announcements that have kind of come out in the last week or two, all around SharePoint. And some of those announcements tied very nicely into a listener question from Ryan as well. So we'll talk about Ryan's question and then dive into some other news topics too. So where do you want to start? News topics or should we jump right into Ryan's question? Uh, Let's start out with a question. All right. So Ryan's question was all around SharePoint, online, modern document libraries, the mobile app on iOS for SharePoint, for OneDrive. So and kind of... If you go in and start creating a bunch of different document libraries uh, within these modern sites and you want to use the mobile app on SharePoint, currently only documents, so it's only documents that surface in apps other than OneDrive are those files that are stored in that default documents library. Will you eventually be able to see, have surfaced documents from all the libraries? And then his workaround right now is doing a bunch of content types and then putting all of his files in the one library. Uh, And he was just curious, is there a better way? How do you go about storing documents in these document libraries so that they are surfaceable, discoverable, easily accessible on a mobile device? Specifically, it sounds like more from the SharePoint app, a little bit the OneDrive app. So I think we kind of understand what you're getting at there, Ryan, with our experience with the SharePoint app. And we'll try to dive in and answer this one as best we can. And with it, talk about the new SharePoint app that's coming. Right now it's in beta. There's a sign-up link. If I can find it and they're still accepting people to test flight, we'll try to post that in the show notes. If not, it should be coming soon because they've started announcing it. There's a blog article we'll post too. So we can start talking about that SharePoint 
app too and the updates that are coming and how hopefully that'll solve some of these issues. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something else at the end there. But Sorry, I didn't know if we had another weird internet delay either. <laughs> if something we do, else. It's, on, it's on your end. All right, there we go. I said something else at the end. Now you can dive in. <laughs> or I can keep going. Do you want me to keep, keep talking? Going. All right, <laughs> yes. I'll keep talking. I didn't know. Sometimes people may get sick of me. So this new SharePoint mobile app, it, it really does help a lot from, uh, in my opinion. So it kind of changes the look and feel. And honestly, I've been in this enough that I can't remember the old app as much. Uh, but you really have three main tabs now along the bottom. You have the news, which is going to pull down news from those sites you're following. So when you go into the new modern UI, you have your news, you can add news articles. This will be that summary of all the news articles posted across the various sites you're following. Next, you have the find tab along the bottom. And this is going to be where more than likely you'll spend the bulk of your time, especially when it comes to looking for people, for files, even lists and libraries. And then you have the me tab that's going to show you, again, a lot like what the, a lot of the stuff is related to you, recent files, and then you're saved. There was that announcement too about being able to save news as pages, files, you can save them for later. That'll show up in this me tab. So kind of at the core of your question, Ryan, we're going to kind of focus on that find tab. So if you go into the find tab, you'll see a few different sections on here. So you have the whole quick access and this is things you've accessed recently. And this might help with some of what you've experienced, Ryan, where like on mine, it not only shows documents across all the sites because it's, again, relying on search and relying on what you've been doing, but it also even shows things like lists that you've recently accessed in one of those SharePoint sites. So I have a custom list where I keep track of some of my tweets that go out. So that shows up because I recently made some modifications there. And then you have your frequent sites, sites that you visit regularly, a lot like on that new SharePoint homepage where it shows you your recently visited sites. You have people you've interacted with recently and then recent files, popular searches, featured links. So again, this is this new app is really focused on search and being driven off of search results. So it kind of gets away from, hey, we're only going to show you files from that default library because search is across all of SharePoint. So as you work with files, as you use SharePoint, as you use different lists, different libraries, this should start showing all those documents that exist across your entire environment, whether it's in that default library or whether it's in some other custom libraries, uh, additional libraries that you've created on those new modern team sites. Yeah, so back to Ryan's question just a, a little bit. It seemed like he was trying to find all of these documents from all of these different places within individual applications. Maybe you hop into Word or PowerPoint or Excel or whatever it happens to be on your mobile device. And those applications aren't great for discoverability. So really what we're saying is maybe change it a little bit. So rather than going into Word every time you need to open a Word document, maybe you actually do need to start in OneDrive or in the SharePoint app and let those apps surface everything for you, whether those documents are coming from your OneDrive or SharePoint site or wherever they happen to be. Let them be surfaced through search and come back that way and then go ahead and open them from those apps as well because they all support opening other apps and X callback URLs on iOS and, and all that good stuff. So that way you can go in 
in and find everything across everything, even your most recent documents, regardless of where they reside, default document library or custom document library, whatever it happens to be, go ahead and launch in, open it, you'll be taken into the native experience and you're off and running. Yeah, exactly. And this, it it can be a challenge to shift that thinking. It's something I'm still working on. I find that even on the desktop, I can be very quick to even go into Word or Excel on my desktop and try to go back and open files from there, or try to find files from there. When the reality is, when you're working with SharePoint with Office 365, it's so much easier to just start in the browser and use search, use the browser to find the files you're looking for, and then open them in Word from the browser rather than starting in Word and trying to go find them and open them that way. Yeah, no, it's a it, it is a little bit of a sea change to to go in and figure that out, but ultimately you're kind of better served, I think, if that's the experience you're looking for. So if you want a one-stop shop, then go to the applications that are going to give you the experiences with one-stop shopping and and you know, that's probably the SharePoint app. Once you get these latest and greatest updates or once they roll them out across all tenancies or all end user experiences, however they're doing that, I would imagine post-Ignite, you'll see a lot more of that. And and hopefully, you know, by the time this comes out, it's available for everyone without having to be in test flight or anything else like that. Or today, you can do this in OneDrive. So OneDrive shows you your SharePoint sites, it shows you your OneDrive files. You just have to go in and browse through those sites and, and potentially connect to them and, and figure out what's going on. The other thing that I should mention is this experience is decidedly a SharePoint Online or Office 365 driven experience. So things that we're talking about with the new Find tab on, on iOS and Android kind of taking front and center, that's not going to be surfaced if you're connecting to on-premises SharePoint sites, whether it's 2013 or 2016 or 2019 or whatever it is, you're just going to end up with the previous experience. Yeah, that is a good thing to be aware of if you are trying to use this with an on-prem environment. Um, but it is, overall, I like I like the app. I can't, again, I've been on it for a while. I can't remember how much it worked with sites in the old app too. But even the other day, I was in the mobile app on my phone or my iPad, one of those, and actually needed to create a new document library with a whole modern UI and the responsiveness of that UI. You can go into the mobile app, you can browse through the site, you can create new libraries, new lists. You really can get that full SharePoint experience right within the mobile app, if you are using all of those newer modern sites, modern UI, etc. Yeah, no, it's it's the way to go. So hopefully that helps, Ryan. If not, let us know. <laughs> we can certainly dive into it more, but really it's probably an, an, a behavioral-driven thing, and you've got to change your behavior a little bit. Not always the greatest answer, but I would bet it's going to work or at least get you a lot closer than you are today. Yep. And you wouldn't need these content types. I still really like content types and say use them where it makes sense. But I think you can 
get where you want to go um, with other document libraries without having to do content types all in that one document library. Yeah, uh, that might run away from you pretty quickly, especially depending on on the volume and what's going on. Uh, and and you know, it wasn't clear whether it was team driven processes or whether this was an individual kind of thing, just trying to uh, go ahead and sort through life. But content types get particularly confusing when you've got a bunch of different people using them, and you know, everybody that's using them isn't clear on what they are and what they're there for. So that's where you know, different document libraries definitely make a little bit of sense, or potentially different sites or different groups or different security constructs drive people into the experiences you want them to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Steve Peshka, and I'm one of the founders at Office365Mon.com. I worked at Microsoft for over 18 years, and one of the most common questions I got is, how do I know what's going on with the help of my Office 365 tenant? When there's a problem with your tenant, you need to know what's going on before your users. We help you understand not only when your tenant goes down, but how well it's performing. When you do have a problem, where do you start looking? Is it your network? Is it your tenant? Is it some feature inside of Office 365? Our network analysis features can pinpoint performance issues and help you figure out where those bottlenecks are. Sign up for a free 90-day trial today at office365mon.com. Stay in the know and stay in control with office365mon.com. So, a little bit more news. I'm going to stick in the theme of the modern UI. There was an article that you should go read. I've had a bunch of conversations around this lately, too. It is an article out on Tech Community by Bob German, and we'll link to it in the show notes, where he talks about branding SharePoint, the new normal. And this goes into kind of things you should think about how the modern UI might affect it. Those various aspects of branding your SharePoint environment, changing the look and feel, making SharePoint not look like SharePoint or keeping SharePoint looking like it is and just changing the colors. Uh, he also addresses one of the ones that I've heard and I've used it before is you don't brand Word or Outlook. Why should you brand SharePoint? At the end of the day, it's just a productivity tool. Dives into things too around customization versus configuration, which it's kind of a it's a goofy line there. I think he does a really good job explaining the difference between configuration is just kind of taking what's already there, configuring it to meet your needs, your company's needs, whether it's changing some colors, adding an image up in the suite, I think it's the suite bar up there, modifying the header without code versus that configuration that was the customization, I think. Now I'm getting them all mixed up in my head. <laughs> Configuration, right? A, yes, construct, that configuration. a construct that's given to you. So something like the sweep bar is on every page in every experience. So you know the sweep bar crosses Yammer and SharePoint and Outlook and you know whatever it happens to be. Planner, Teams, well, not Teams, kind of, sort of. But as those things come up, you know, you have these shared experiences and then you have other things specifically within SharePoint where you might want to do branding. You might want to brand a header. You might want to customize navigation, whether that's within a regular team site, like a classic team site, a modern team site, could be within a hub site, whatever it happens to be. You have your individual web parts. There's a footer that's available under SharePoint Framework. There's all sorts of overlays and buttons and, and all these other different things you can have. So, you know, I like the way that he framed it too, where really what you want to think about is 
configuration, because hey, you've bought a SaaS app here. On-prem is a different story, but for the most part, you've bought a SaaS app. And let's think about what that means. That means you're going to have knobs and, and levers that you can twist and you know turn on and off. But if you think about it that way, really you're going to want to stay within the guidelines that you're given. Or the way Bob framed it was, let's put the guardrails up and stay within the guardrails. So there's a lot of compelling reasons to stay within the guardrails. You, you know, you're going to catch the latest and greatest updates. Your page isn't going to break. Weird things aren't going to happen. I'm sure you've been through this with customers and, and clients, and I've been through this with organizations I've worked with. One of the places I was at, we had a fully customized intranet that was hosted in Office 365 and SharePoint Online, but our intranet and the site collection it lived in was just a big spa. It, it was a single page application, tons of JavaScript and all this other stuff happening. So it wasn't making you know heavy customizations to SharePoint itself, but it was fundamentally going way outside the guardrails and, and way off the beaten path. So every time Microsoft would do something like, you, you know, we had a, a news web part on the homepage and Microsoft would change the way that those libraries were interacted with on an API side. Well, because we weren't using official web parts and and we were just running out and maybe scraping with JavaScript because there wasn't a REST API or something else, it would just blow up the formatting, move things around and change it. Then we'd have to do these emergency break fix and, and roll out kind of things. So the more you stay within the guardrails, the, the better off you are. It smooths things and it makes things a little bit easier to adopt as they continue to come online. And then as you start to get outside of that and maybe you accept the risk of saying, hey, you know, I wouldn't call them hacks, but we're, we're going to go out outside or off the beaten path a little bit. Maybe we're going to do something with some forced HTML rendering. We're going to inject some CSS. Maybe we really need a control to be over here, over there, whatever it happens to be. Just know that you're off the beaten path, right? You can't come back later and get annoyed at Microsoft that they changed something when you bought this boxed product and all of a sudden you didn't like the box. So, you know, you tried to take it to the printer and changed it and the printer told you, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Exactly. And I've, I've been in that same boat as you numerous times where someone spends a whole bunch of time really hacking away at SharePoint, making it look, again, not like SharePoint. And there's an update that just breaks everything and it goes downhill. Where I like what Bob said too, with staying within the guardrails. And he does give you a few options if you want to really customize it. It says, Try to avoid doing those hackish solutions and doing it kind of yourself if you want to avoid it. One option he gave in there too that was interesting was just use SharePoint as a headless CMS. Use it to store your content, but then use the APIs, bring the content out of SharePoint, and then surface it in another CMS, surface it in Sitecore, surface it in WordPress. That was interesting. It I mean, it's definitely still a little bit of work because now you have to write all those integrations in with it. Honestly, by the time you do that, just use Sitecore or WordPress <laughs> or whatever it happens to be, right? So yeah, SharePoint's a great repository for content, but if you find yourself storing you know, all sorts of HTML and other weird stuff in there, eh, probably not the greatest thing. I would say it's totally fine. Like If you, if you had like a say a document repository for HR and it's got a bunch of publicly accessible documents or things like that, you need to surface those over on one of your other kind of 
side sites or whatever it happens to be someplace else that somebody else with Neorcos, awesome, go ahead. Probably not going to break too much. The APIs are kind of stable, all that kind of stuff. But you still got to keep up with the APIs. You still got to have developers that can respond to break fix. You know, if you don't have those developers and you hired somebody to build that integration for you, you better keep them on retainer because you're going to need them to come back and fix that stuff later. It's like walking a tightrope. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one that was interesting was this internet in a box. And I'm going to talk about this one because I've seen people leverage these where it is essentially go out and buy, it's almost like a theme type thing where it's the whole internet built out. There's a bunch of customizations, maybe some custom web parts. These are interesting. It definitely gives you a quick way to rebrand SharePoint. But in my opinion, you kind of run into the same problem is you're either going outside the guardrails or you're starting to use SharePoint as a headless CMS now. Well, yeah, they are supporting their solution, but there's still a bunch of customization. So if Microsoft does change something, now you're actually reliant on them for updating their code, updating their SharePoint in a box solution. It's an interesting concept. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the whole internet in a box and buying a third-party branding solution for SharePoint. But it's one he mentions has some thoughts on as well and kind of brings up some of those same concerns. If they did hack it to do the internet in the box, what's the support plan? What happens when you go to modern? All of those things you run into with hacking it yourself. Yeah, I personally, like if I was the one running it and I've kind of been there in the past and, and done this with some of the orgs I've been at, it's, you know, I'm going to lean towards either I have in-house developers and they can support it and I trust them or I'm going to buy it from somebody else. I would generally speaking, not lean towards hiring like a consultancy to go ahead and customize my internet and then have them walk away because I don't get that support. I might not fully understand the code base and, and what came with it and everything else. So if you're going to customize, either own it and do it yourself and live with all the decisions and you know the breakage that potentially comes with that, or go ahead and purchase it from a vendor. You, and, and you know, there's there's things like the thing that Bob mentioned was a report that came out, which was SharePoint Internet's in a box for 2018. So uh, I'll have the link to that in the show notes. But you know, go through and check with those vendors. Uh, do your due diligence. Do they have a relationship with Microsoft? Are they a Microsoft partner? Are they aligned to the ecosystem? Do they participate? in taps you know are they are they on the cutting edge and the bleeding edge do they have internal resources that as they do their development they know how to stay up to date so as impending api changes are coming they know about them potentially before they're released to the public so you know their products are ready to go on day 1 and those are a bunch of questions that you need to go out and ask them to get that stuff all done yep definitely so another one we're going to keep going with the modern theme here this is an announcement. Chris McNulty posted a blog post about this, and it is announcing new file template management for document library content types. Another one of those interesting ones where as they're going to the modern UI, making updates, making changes, trying to bring in some new features. This one is the ability to add a template within the modern UI. So right now, if you click the new dropdown in a document library, you have that option for a new folder, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, link, etc. Now you're going to start having two new options. And I think this is rolling out sometime in September, if I remember right. I don't see it in the article. Don't quote me on it. Here it is. Targeted release customers early September. Uh, you're going to have two more links down there. 
edit men- or edit new menu and add a template. So if you want to edit the new menu, you can go in and actually pick and choose what of those you want available. So you can say, okay, we only want Word and Excel documents. We don't want people to create links, visios, forms for Excel. We don't want them to create them off the new menu. Off the new it's, menu. It, yes. it's not driving any type of <laughs> governance or anything. Like, this is just a presentation layer control. Hide those links. Security by obscurity, right? You can yes, still do uh, it. Uh, um, absolutely. You're just obscuring it. So there's that, but then there's this interesting one where it's a new template option. And this is essentially another way now to create content types. So these templates, in essence, are modern new content types. These are interesting because they're not, I don't even know how to say this properly, they're not the old content types from the sense that you can deploy these from a content type hub yet or add content types that are deployed from your content type hub with a new template. This is like a link to create a new local content type on the site with no real support or methods in place yet for letting this distribute these new templates throughout your entire SharePoint environment. Correct, yeah. So so if you want to have widely distributed same pieces of content and templates, you've still got to go with content types, content type hubs, all that good kind of stuff. It's a little bit weird when we talk about this one because they've mixed up the, the nomenclature a bunch. It's still a content type. It's just a local content type. It's not a site content type or, you know, it's just a list or library content type. It's nothing more than that, but they keep talking about them as templates. But yeah, yeah, it's a file template, but you've always had file templates associated with content types for document content types if you wanted to have them. So I'm, yeah, no, it's a confusing one. (laughs) It's kind of like teams and groups, right? (laughs) Uh, Let's not even get into that one. So yeah, I would... Again, just caution you on this one. I have had some conversations on Twitter because it's, I mean, it's nice that it's coming, but if you have all your users now going out and creating a whole bunch of local site content types and templates, and then you want to go later deploying from the content type hub, you end up with duplicate content types. You can't back yourself into a corner and get into some trouble here if your users are going off and creating a whole bunch of brand new templates without really some thought into that governance and how you want to manage content types slash templates from an organizational level, from, again, that whole governance, retention policies, management of those content types. Yeah, if you're into content types today and you know what they are and you recognize what they are and how they work and how they flow and how they come together and you've been creating them and deploying them, this is probably not a feature that's for you. It's decidedly end-user driven. There's a bunch of things that happen here. So, you know, for instance, when you create one of these and you create a template, it's automatically associated with the default content type for that library. So what if you already customized the default content type for that? Weird things can happen, right? So it's just based on, you know, and I get why they do it. Content types are confusing as all get out. And it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around how to create them and use them. Like they're great once they're surfaced for end users. Template makes way more sense as a word to push it up, at least for 
document libraries, not maybe not for lists and, and things like that. But when you use this, you're walking down a path, which is, you know, we're back to guardrails again. <laughs> guardrails are up and it's going to drive you into a very specific experience. So you do have to know a little bit about what it's doing on the back end if you're already using the, uh, you know, the unguarded experience of full on content types and hubs and deployments and, and stuff like that today. When it comes to email, Outlook and Office 365 are fantastic. But sometimes there are things you'd like to do that aren't implemented. Sperry Software creates Outlook add-ins and Office 365 services that fill in these gaps. For instance, there are Outlook add-ins to automatically print emails and or attachments, save emails to PDF, send out recurring emails, or how about a warning when you're going to do a reply to all instead of a normal reply? Find these and many more email productivity solutions. Get started today by visiting www.sperrysoftware.com slash cloud IT. Yeah, and I don't know, I was trying to look through the article too, if they talk about anything, like what happens if you redeploy a default content type from the content type hub? Does it overwrite the templates? Does it keep them associated with the templates? I don't have my hands on this yet. Hopefully I'll be able to play with it some. Hopefully there'll be a little bit more about this at Ignite too. We can hear more about it and what the plan is. I would bet there would be a bunch about this at Ignite. Oh, it's all going to work, yeah. Speaking of, we'll be at Ignite again. I think, I don't know if this is episode's going to air before or we're going to publish this before or after Ignite. We're recording it before Ignite, but with timing of everything, we're not 100% sure this is when this is going to publish or what episode it's going to be. So if you hear this before Ignite, Come find us at Ignite. If you hear this after Ignite, hopefully we'll have more news to share about this. So there was one more announcement that I got really excited about that I just wanted to quickly dive into was the SharePoint Online Management Shell. The SPO PowerShell commandlets are now actually finally available in the PowerShell gallery. This has been a holdout forever and it has bugged me to no end. But you can now go out to PowerShell, do install-module, and the name of it is microsoft.online.sharepoint.powershell and install it from the gallery. So I am, yeah, again, not much there other than it's not like the commandlets have changed or they've added a bunch to it. You just don't have to go out and download that MSI. I think it was an MSI anymore. When it's time for an update, you don't have to do a uninstall and download and reinstall the new one. It is a module in the PowerShell gallery, so you can do your install module, update module, all of that to stay on the latest and greatest SharePoint online management shell module version. Yeah, uh, so I like that it's in the gallery because now you can do kind of single-headed or single-path deployments because things like PNP, PowerShell are there as well. So you can potentially go ahead and roll out both of those at the same time as part of your automation, which could be really, really good. Uh, and it's nice because they've eliminated some of the dependencies over time on like the sign-in assistant and, and some of the other... I won't call it crap. No, I'll call it crap. Or like cruft <laughs> that that used to that used to come with that solution. <laughs> yeah. Which this also means that you can add this to Azure Automation now a lot easier without repackaging it all and uploading it and doing all of that. And hopefully, I mean, eventually I feel like they've got to do this with most of the PowerShell modules, because if they're gonna switch over to PowerShell core and you're going to be installing these on Mac and Linux eventually once that whole thing is accomplished. 
Hopefully that means eventually I'll be able to install this and use this within PowerShell on my Mac. Uh, yeah, maybe someday if it all gets over to .NET Core and <laughs> all that other stuff. I'm not holding my breath because in all honesty, I think I've seen some roadmap stuff and there's people that are saying it could easily take another year two-ish before they get everything that's in PowerShell into PowerShell Core where you'll be able to fully use a lot of these modules that still have dependencies on DLLs in that PowerShell, I think, 5.1. So that's kind of a few big SharePoint announcements lately that we figured we'd dive in and talk about. And again, maybe we'll have more around these in some episodes after Ignite, at Ignite, all of that. So that's it. Wraps us up for the day. Not a problem. Thanks, Scott. And we'll talk to you again later. If you enjoyed the podcast, go leave us a five-star rating in iTunes. It helps to get the word out so more IT pros can learn about Office 365 and Azure. If you have any questions you want us to address on the show or feedback about the show, feel free to reach out via our website, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.